Thursday. Thank you, Barnett Contracting, for what you do. And uh, excited to talk a little football, uh, talk a little BYU. Uh, Greg Rubel, and, and we had Greg on in the early days when these things were being announced. And then, Greg, I like that we just constantly have these celebrations because about a month ago or whenever it was, you know, uh, all the social media comes out. Okay, it's official. I mean, we, we've already known it was official, but we keep getting these, like, new dates and things like that that we can officially, officially welcome BYU and, and the uh, four schools into the Big 12. Is it, on your end, is it the same way? Is it is it continue to be exciting for the Cougars and their fans? I think the answer is yes, and good to be with you again, Matt. And and you're right. Uh, the, the, the little news items continue to pop up, and most recently was the fact that those other three schools would join BYU in 2023 because the Cougs were already locked in. They were going to go in 23 yes. regardless. It was a question of exit fees for the American teams, and they got out. And so it'll be a four-team group coming in. And then you add to that the fact that you know the head of ESPN was saying the other day that uh, he expects Texas and OU to stay with the Big 12 through 25. Now, whether or not that actually transpires or not, who knows? But the indications are from a guy who would have a good idea of knowing that it might be a 14-team league for two seasons. And so that adds another level of excitement to get, you know, possibly two seasons of competition with Texas and Oklahoma for schools like BYU and others. And so uh, as, as, as announcements about schedules come forth, and, uh, you know, championship game sites or tournament venues and all these kinds of things that, that are part of the, the day-to-day for a conference, as they now come out in the you know, months to come, they'll yeah. now involve BYU. And I know that Cougar Nation is, is very eager to see, you know, its school name pop up in those kinds of announcements. Yeah. We, by the way, we're most of us that are the, the holdovers are ready for them to go. So, but I, I understand there might be some excitement. I think, uh, Greg, y'all just want to play Texas a couple more times, right? Cause well, there, there's some... been some good history in the past. There's no doubt about that. And, 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 and true, like our perspective up here isn't the one you have down there. Um, and, and I think we all kind of expect that, 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 that a deal would get done to maybe make a cleaner break and that they'd not stick around for two more years. But when the chairman of ESPN says he expects that, you know, those teams to be there through 25, that carries a little bit of weight. So, you know, again, we'll see whether or not that transpires. Deals can always get done late in the game. But I I know that, um, you know, BYU fans would not complain if they were to get, you know, a season or two of competition with those uh, those institutions. Talking to Greg Rubel and uh, BYU, voice of BYU Cougars. Uh, Greg, you've been uh, it may be more a little bit more relaxing to be interviewed than interview people. I was just looking at your Twitter. Um, what did you do about nine interviews <laughs> earlier today? This was for people. This was BYU football media day, and of course, y'all don't have the media days. You've been independent, Greg. That'll be kind of fun, by the way, to uh, welcome everybody in next summer. We'll all be able to gather together. And by the way, y'all can crash this party too. Uh, and the one reason you might want to fly in for it, they. It, it appears they might add, they might uh, introduce a new commissioner, so it's uh, kind of interesting. But today was the BYU football media day. Greg, what's one of those like? I, there was one picture I think you posted, or, or one of your uh, one of your colleagues posted, and I was kind of taking a peek, and it looked like a nice layout and everything. Uh, how much? 
How much of the uh, local media and, and, and maybe even the bordering states, how many people show up for something like that? Well, we had 70-plus credentialed media members for the BYU Football Media Day today. It's the, uh, the 12th and final independent media day that BYU will have had. And, and when they went independent, of course, you, you lose that part of the annual routine of, of joining other teams and having your typical conference media day or days. And so BYU made its own. And thankfully, we have this beautiful facility here at BYU, the BYU Broadcasting Building, from which so many great shows emanate. And it's the perfect location for something like this. And so over the years, it's gotten, I think, bigger and better. And ESPN3 has put it on its its schedule on this day every year. So there's additional uh, you know, TV coverage that way. Uh, it, it's a big deal. And, and yet, by the same token, it'll be great to be back into a conference setting where you are with you know, different broadcasters and writers and coaches and players and feeling more of, of uh, you know, a, a, a grouping as opposed to kind of off on your own. But for being on your own, Matt, BYU's done this as well as you could possibly do it. And, yeah, today's been a busy day, lots of interviews, and I hosted a two-hour show and, and did a TV hit on the BYU TV uh, special we had today about the independence era. Um, you know, it, there's been a lot going on, but you, you look forward to this time every year. BYU holds it earlier than, than most leagues, obviously. That's a July thing, and BYU does it in June, in part because they've got kind of the stage to themselves, and it's before Fourth of July weekend, and it kind of gets a head start on things. And so it's beneficial in a lot of ways, but by the same token, I'm really looking forward to getting to my first Big 12 football media days. I don't know that it will be this year, but I know it will be next year. And, um, and, and, you know, because this will be the fourth different conference with which I've been affiliated as a BYU broadcaster. Uh, began in the days of the WAC to the Mountain West Conference and then to the WCC for sports other than football, mind uh-huh. you. So fourth different conference affiliation for me and, of course, the biggest and best at this point. And I'm really eager to get that, uh, again, that, that, that annual part of the routine back into, uh, into existence. All right, we'll start putting it on your schedule. Uh, it's usually around the 13th or 14th of July, and I yep. normally and, and schedule I know, it. I know it's been in Arlington where the, where the championship game is being held, so hopefully at AT&T Stadium it stays there. That'd be nice. Yeah, yeah you, they'll treat you nice in uh, Arlington. I think you'll enjoy your time with us and, and good food and all of that. Jerry may stop by to say hi. Now, Greg Rubel, uh, this, um, uh, I love the, uh, uh, the list of guests you had on the Media Day edition of Behind the Mic. And uh, and Coach Sataki, you, you had him on the list. You got the offense coordinator, defense coordinator. Give me just overall, what was the biggest theme in coming out of a lot of these interviews? So you talk you, both sides of the ball. Uh, I, I'm sure, that, you know, there's a lot of folks that uh, you're going to have some uh, some veterans. BYU always has a lot of veterans. You got a veteran quarterback coming back. What is the overall theme seem to be because what you don't want to have happen is be so excited about entering the big 12 that you kind of look be you're looking to that and you you don't really see this huge opportunity for 2022 what was the uh, what was your biggest takeaway after talking to so many of these folks well i, I want to start with a note from 2021 that relates to the big 12 okay byu went to waco byu went to waco last year and played baylor and and lost by a couple touchdowns and one of the coaches said the final score might have been closer than the game itself. Baylor handled BYU pretty well. But what this coach was saying was, 
he's getting enough questions about the fact that, you know, if the Baylor game was a barometer, are you really ready for the Big 12? And his point was this. He says, I don't know that anybody in the Big 12 was ready for Baylor. Like, Baylor was really good. Okay, so you're talking about losing a game to arguably the best team or one of the very best teams in the Big 12. And and so there was a sense of, you know, no shame in, in losing to a really good football team on the road. But don't let that, you know, indicate that BYU is not ready to compete at that level. That's an exceptional case. BYU played an exceptional Big 12 team, not just any Big 12 team. And so the Baylor shadow kind of hung over a little bit, a lot of the questioning today in terms of, are, you know, can you be to that level by, by 2023? And the point came back, well, we feel good about our chances in the Big 12, but let's not forget how good Baylor was. So using that as kind of background, wow. I think that BYU feels that when 2023 rolls around, they'll be able to compete with good teams in the Big 12, and, and the recruiting uh, objectives have been you know, all aimed at that year of 2023. I do think, although they, although they weren't saying this, I'll say it for them, I think this year's BYU team um, you know, could, could drop itself into the Big 12 and feel like they could, they could compete because of Jaron Hall, at quarterback. And you may not have Jaron Hall after this year at quarterback if he has the kind of year people think he will. Last year at this time, Matt, Jaron Hall was in a competition for the starting job. Now that job is his. He's exceptional. He's not good. He's exceptional. And, uh, and, and so I think with him as the linchpin and so many pieces back around him, the Cougars feel really positive about their chances to compete with any team this season, including Baylor. Let's not forget the fact that Baylor does come back to Provo this year so we can see if BYU has indeed narrowed the gap with Dave Aranda's team. So the Cougs love the look this year in part because last year when they entered the campaign, they were among the least experienced, if not the least experienced team in college football by number of starts back. Well, this year they're in the top five based on how you want to chart experience. Um, they're one of the most experienced teams now in the country. And, and so having taken a lot of knocks on health defensively last year, but getting Keenan Peely back and others, I think they feel the defense is due for a resurgence and the offense is due to kind of hold the course and be good again. It was a very good offense last year. And with Aaron Roderick calling plays, I think optimism is as high as it could ever be, certainly as high as any time in the independence era to go out and win a lot of games. Well, I love thinking about it. I also love the BYU running back last year, Tyler Algier, and I know he's uh, he'll be in the NFL now. But what a what an unbelievable! It, it, it's interesting to me. They still show that play. You know the one I'm talking about. And well, I think they are going to play. Yeah, yeah, where yeah. he where he chases a guy down and gets the ball back from him. I mean, it was just they show that play. I'm not, at all levels. I mean, high school, college, pro, it's one of the great hustle plays you'll ever see. And, um, and, and Greg, that, he had a, a really interesting story, you know, just this, his whole journey. But uh, by the end of his career, he was one of the greatest running backs in the country. So what, what, are, um, what, what is BYU uh, looking to do at running back? And, and do they have sort of a, a plug-and-play type situation? Or is this going to be a by-committee thing, you think? Well, I asked the offensive coordinator, Aaron Roderick, today about just that, because Tyler Algier was, um, was you know, it, it, it's kind of a cliche nickname, but he was the workhorse, right? He's the, he's the kind of guy that's going to get 
the overwhelming bulk of your carries. And when you need to finish out a game, they might give you seven, eight, nine straight handoffs and say, go win the game for us. And he did that. He was the undisputed leader in the backfield, the workhorse, the number one back, and there was not a close number two. This year, the question was posed, I did to Aaron Roderick today, can one guy do the Tyler Algier job again, or will it have to be a grouping? And he says his preference would be for one guy to grab the job, to not have to say we're a committee backfield. And that being the case, the guy to get the look is going to be Christopher Brooks uh, of Cal. He's a six foot one, 235-pound running back with good reps in a, in a P5 conference, and he's a senior. And so Chris Brooks will kind of – he looks most like the Tyler Algier type, right? So you've got Lopini Katoa. Katoa is a smaller back, has scored a lot of touchdowns for BYU, but a smaller back. Jackson McChesney, Miles Davis, Hinkley Ropati, all in the mix. But Chris Brooks out of Cal, that will be the guy that gets the first look. And they're going to play a lot of fullback this year, as they have uh, under Coach Roderick and Coach Grimes. And Houston Haymooley adds to that group, and he's a Stanford transfer, a Stanford captain transfer and a senior. So Chris Brooks wow. and Houston Haymooley, a tailback and a fullback, both out of the Pac-12, both experienced guys, give BYU the best chance to look like they did with Tyler Algier toting the rock last year. Well, it's it's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, BYU showed up and showed out at that uh, Baylor game as far as the fans oh, are concerned. Oh, what a great day that was. What a great – even yeah. though BYU lost uh, and Baylor was so good that day, man, I, I, I just remember just feeling as good as I could feel about a game BYU just lost going out of that stadium for how the day felt and transpired, the fan bases, the reception, the sense of rivalry, collegiality, all those things came together – I, I was just thrilled to be in Waco and at McLean Stadium for that day and, and look so forward to the, to the Bears being back in pro. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but I was just going to say that was a special day. No, that's fine. Uh, it, was, uh, it was a great showing. And now, what, what should Baylor fans, as we think about making that trip to Provo? Now, I'm a, I'm a big history buff, love kind of trying to pick up on some of the local things. I, if, I, if I wanted to see something at BYU that is like this huge historical part of of the uh of the Mormon church you know the LDS like what would be the what would be the most interesting thing i could see if i arrived you know kind of i had to get in and out of town what should i see when i uh, when i come to Provo well i i would say you want to get yourself into Provo Canyon which is literally 5 minutes up the road from campus uh because you will see a gorgeous river, the Provo River, running through the canyon. Uh, you can just pull off to any a number of, of a number of, of uh, you know off off the roadway parks and parking spots to just get 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 a sense of canyon life and the beautiful scenery. Just minutes away, literally, Sundance uh, Ski Resort, which is a year-round resort, is just a few more minutes up the canyon. Sundance is always a great place to go and walk and just observe, ride a tram, have a meal. So get into the canyon, go to Sundance, uh, just spend time in the canyon on the riverside. It's, it's, it's amazing. Um, in the city itself, of Provo, it's a college town, smaller town. Uh, I would say hike Y Mountain. Uh, you, you, people who've seen BYU games in the past will notice that big Y on the mountain. Well, you can hike mm -hmm. to it. it. It's a zigzaggy, windy path, but it won't take you more than 
a half hour to, to get to the Y. And once you get there, you've got an incomparable view of the entire Utah Valley, including Utah Lake. And, and hiking, hiking the Y or hiking Y Mountain is kind of a rite of passage for Utah Valley residents, and I would encourage you to do that. And then just, you know, soak in campus. BYU's got a beautiful campus. Their grounds crew wins, wins awards every year for how they keep the campus. I think anyone who comes will, will appreciate all of those things. And then, you know, that, that leaves out the stadium itself on game day. I, I think Lavelle Bird Stadium on a college football game day is, is second to none. And the view you get when sitting in those stands, mountains in the background, uh, you can't beat it. And, and I, I, I never take it for granted. I, I always count my blessings with another, when another season rolls around. And uh, I, I just think it's, it's, it's an amazing experience in every way, uh, Provo and Lavelle Bird Stadium on a, on, on a game weekend. Well, really, uh, Greg, look forward to seeing you. It's going to be so much fun. And the only thing I remember is the, the great, uh, late, the, the late great Frank Fallon, uh, the Baylor play-by-play man for so many years, describing that that beautiful stadium and all of that. So I, that's kind of so, uh, and, in my boyhood. If I could interrupt line. you on that, would he would he have been the play-by-play guy in 1984? Yes. Yeah. So so Baylor came in 1984. Uh, for BYU's home opener, and that was the first BYU football game I ever saw in person. Oh, really? 1984, huh? I I had just graduated high school in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. I'm a Canadian. Uh, I had just turned 17. I came down to Provo and started my freshman year at BYU in 1984, and the first football game I ever got to attend, it was the largest crowd I'd ever been in in my life, was on that sunny Saturday afternoon in September of 1984 as BYU hosted the Baylor Bears in the Cougars' home opener, win number two in their 13-0 season, and that was the first time I had ever seen a BYU football game up close. Boy, you uh, you started out well there. That was a good time to get involved with BYU. Was that Bosco or Steve Young, or who would that have been? Yeah, that was the year after Steve Young. It was Bosco's first year as a starter, and they went on to win the national championship, and there I was, this kid from Canada, just getting my first taste of college football and thinking, wow, that my first year at BYU and we win it all, I guess this is how things go down here. Um, <laughs> so that, that was my first experience was that game. It was Baylor. And so here we are full circle, right? 38 years later, uh, I'll be in the stadium for, for Baylor and a home opener again. And it'll be the year before we become uh, BYU and Baylor. That is become conference colleagues. I think it's kind of cool. Well- I apologize for not leaving enough time to talk Stanley Cup with you now that I know you're Canadian. So Well, uh, it's a whole different deal. My Calgary Flames had a great regular season, got one series win, ran into McDavid and the Oilers, and things came to a halt. But I had a great year with uh, following the Flames and love this time of year. Big-time hockey fan. And, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it till next time. All right. That sounds good. Really appreciate it and uh, look forward to seeing you in person soon. Thank you, Matt. You bet. There he goes, Greg Rubel, the voice of BYU, uh, joining us. Now, we're going to uh, quickly pivot, and we're going to